Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Coach Duffy is on assignment right now, so he can make it in, but we have lots more to talk about with you, the ODPH Society. So join in that conversation on social media. You can find all our links on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPH. Because there is actually a few big stories in the land of sports breaking. Yeah. One I know is very near and dear to Pad's heart, so we will kick off with that. The New England Patriots now have a quarterback. Mm -hmm. A legit quarterback, shall we say. So, Pad, I I cannot hold back the honors. Take it away. So this one came out of left field entirely uh, a couple of days ago, sitting at home, relaxing. And it comes across my phone. Uh, the New England Patriots have signed free agent, former NFL MVP Cam Newton to a one-year incentive-laden deal. Uh, it came from Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, both of ESPN respectively. And I got to say, heard the rumors for a while that they were looking at him. They might be interested in him. But I was like, yeah, we'll see. Never really put much stock into it. Totally surprised. Well, we also have to kind of take in perspective what was going on with the Patriots. Obviously, it was a major changing of the guard mm-hmm. that longtime quarterback Tom Brady has left New England for Tampa Bay. Went like an old man and moved to Florida. Right, but you know what? For, what, $50 million for a season or, yeah. or give take? Uh, yeah. I can't blame him. Uh, but obviously he's – it's a huge story, obviously, knowing how him and Bill Belichick and, mm-hmm. and Robert Kraft have built that dynasty up yeah. in Foxborough. So obviously this was one question mark that after the move happened – what was New England's move going to be? Right. And they only had, what, Brian Hoyer? Brian and, Hoyer, Jared Stenham, and there was a third guy. I forget who it is at the moment. Right. That wasn't really flashy name to take up the throne. No. Because, obviously, to be the heir to the Patriots' throne, you really have to have your credentials. You really have to be a MVP-type caliber quarterback because of the you know what they have established up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reputation stands for itself. Oh, yeah. I hate saying this as a Bills fan. I truly do. But, hey, I give the devils their due every time. So this has been a story that we've been really watching and see how this is going to develop. And in typical Patriots fashion, very quiet, not tipping their hat by any means of what they were doing. No. And then suddenly the news breaks that Cam Newton, longtime quarterback from the Carolina Panthers, who was released this offseason and not resigned. Very ugly fashion. Yeah, very messy divorce. Since well, he was, so that, that relationship is still sour because I want to say it was last week, two weeks ago, the Panthers ran a poll on their Twitter account and said, you know, who's the greatest uh player in franchise history uh noticeably absent was cam newton from that list and if you went through all of their mentions that day every single person was saying the best player in franchise history isn't on that on this list and it's cam newton well you have to give cam his credit i mean obviously when he's drafted right out of college to carolina mm-hmm. and he turned that franchise around and in fact got them to one super bowl yeah i mean brought him to a super bowl didn't win it no uh won an mvp with arguably i realize you know He's a he's a great player and, and he had McCaffrey right there at the end, but like who did they really put around him? Greg Olson? He had Greg Olson who's who's a great tight end in his own right. Yeah. Uh obviously Steve Smith had been a longtime Carolina Panther, but by the time the Cam got there, he was on his way out. Yeah. So he really did not have a lot of weapons no. to work with. So he made do with what he had. Obviously he always had a great running game. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. 
uh, Jonathan Stewart there, D'Angelo Williams. They had players around him that were complimentary. And when Carolina finally got on their roll and they started really turning it around, Cam was at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that became the face of the franchise and led them to a Super Bowl. Obviously, when they ran into that Denver defense that year, nobody, oh, yeah. nobody was beating them. No. But the fact that Cam got him there and obviously had been playing at an elite level. Mm-hmm. Injuries have caught up with him over the years, but yeah. this is a physical sport. It's It it happens to the best of yeah. any player. Then the, the relationship between Carolina and Cam had slowly dissolved. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. So when Cam was not brought back and the team is going in a different direction, this is where we are all kind of guessing where was Cam going to end up. And there has been a lot of speculation that he was going to be going to New England because obviously a player of Cam's level – would be going to a winning franchise. I can't see him backing up a future a rookie quarterback no. or a future face of the franchise for a couple of seasons. I just I couldn't see him doing that at this stage. He's mm-hmm. still got a lot of tread on the tires, as they say. Right. So him going to New England was a big deal. And like we say, this was one of the moves that we've been watching to see. And, Pat, so let me ask you this. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think the immediate impact is? Uh, I think it gives him a, a good option at starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Jared Stedham might be the guy of the future, but. I don't have a lot of faith in the guy, mm-hmm. given they brought him in for garbage time last season and his first career pass in the NFL was a pick six. Yeah. You know, I've always been a subscriber, even before Aaron Rodgers came along, I've always been a subscriber to the let him sit there for a few years, really soak everything and really learn the playbook, and then bring him in because you've seen instances where guy gets drafted, and, and, and I don't know the percentage, but there's been a fair number of instances where guy gets drafted out of college seemingly the the franchise future, you know, the guy who's going to lead him to the promised land for the next, you know, 10, 15 years, they immediately put him in and they suck. Mm-hmm. But you look at the instances where they got instances where the, the player sits there for a few years, learns but from behind a veteran and really comes in and it just does really well. So I've always been a subscriber to that thought, train of thought. And, you know, okay, I thought we're going in. All right, Brian Hoyer will start, you know, not the greatest thing in the world, but you know, you're trying to replace a living legend in Brady. Yeah. But I think giving Cam, uh, bringing Cam in, if he ends up being the starter, because you, know, you know Belichick's not going to tip that cap till it's uh, time to do so. I think, he, I think he gives them a legitimate threat on the offense that they might try to be emulating the uh, Baltimore Ravens a little bit. If if Cam is healthy and if Cam is at his, you know, MVP caliber, he was back in uh, when he won the MVP, you look at what they've got. Patriots have got on defense, plus their running game, plus their receivers. It's a pretty lethal offense. It is a lethal offense. I the only question mark I had, and I've been having a lot of discussions on social media about this, is this will be the first time that we've seen New England have a mobile quarterback, mm-hmm. and how are they going to adapt the playbook? But one thing that I forgot after I was having these discussions is who is their offensive coordinator? Josh McDaniels. Where did he head coach for a season? Denver. And who was the quarterback that year? Timothy Richard Tebow. Exactly. So he's going to adapt, I would imagine, a uh, lot yeah. of the playbook yeah. to the same variances that he had for Tebow. I'm sure there's a few uh, pages in the back of uh, McDaniel's playbook that are a little dusty. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't been using it in a few years because as, as good as Brady is, he's a bit of a tree. You know, he stays rooted in the pocket. He'll move around a little bit, but he's not exactly a threat to take off if there's no open open options. Brady, if there was ever no open receivers, all right, throw it away. We'll try again. Well, that's going to be the question of play that with Newton coming back, and he's definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. I would expect we're going to see big things out of him if he gets the chance to start, which I have to imagine he is. I think that's yeah. getting downplayed, but you can't sit somebody with his pedigree behind Brian Hoyer no. or Stidman there, as you were saying. 
I just I can't see the the Patriots doing that. I think no. that Belichick knows that obviously he's going to have to work with Cam to mm-hmm. continue the success, the success they've had up yeah. in New England. Yeah. Because let's face it, this was going to be the season everybody wrote off the Patriots and said mm-hmm. the Bills were going to be ascending to the top of the AFC East. Yeah. And I would have to say on paper before Cam Newton got there, yeah, I fully oh, yeah. agree no, with that. I, I fully uh, believed it. Yeah, so it's going to be a battle between those two teams for the AFC East. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a Bills fan. I'm saying, honestly, you look at the talent on both sides of the ball for yeah. both teams. Yeah. Now Cam Newton definitely provides an adequate replacement for Tom Brady mm-hmm. in New England. Yeah. And looking at the other quarterbacks you have in the AFC East, I mean, Sam Darnold's not scaring anybody. No. And then Miami, I mean, <sighs> who knows what you're going to get out of Tua? Yeah, Tua is a very big question mark right now because well, I'll say, let's not forget, we haven't seen him actually uh, participate in any sort of football drills since, well, he got injured. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a very big question mark for teams to figure out, okay, what Patriots. Are we going to see? Are we going to see one that picks up right where they left off? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to see one that regresses a little bit? I think it's going to make things a little more difficult for the teams that are going to play this year just because Brady's been their quarterback, was their, has been their quarterback for you know decade, two decades or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's been, by and large, the same playbook with the same plays, just tweak a little here, a little here, tweak a little there. You know, when they had Randy Moss, they tweaked things a little bit. When they had Gronkowski, tweaked it a little bit more. I think it's going to cause headaches for a lot of uh, defensive coordinators in the NFL because all of a sudden your usual plays and your usual methods of trying to beat the Patriots all of a sudden don't work anymore. No, I have to agree with you too. I mean, this is definitely going to be a a very big change in dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at the Patriots too, for Cam Newton, he's going to have weapons around him that not necessarily are that different per se from Carolina. I mean, no. when you have Christian McCaffrey as your, as your running back, who's arguably one of the best in the league. Oh, yeah, easily. To looking at the Patriots running back by committee. Yeah. I mean, Sony Michelle, usual starter, but, yeah, no, it's still a committee. It's still a committee, and then you take a look at the wide receiving core. Yeah. That one, I'd say, is, is almost pretty even. I mean, Julian Edelman is on the back end of the career. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is, but, and they always have had – Almost a wide receiving core by committee. Well, so too. let's not forget Julian Edelman played most of the year with a broken rib. Right, but I'm just saying for being his tenureship in New yeah. England, he, he's not exactly in his prime. I mean, you could argue maybe a couple more years, and then he's. I'd say a couple know. more years. The I mean the the bigger question for me, at least with that starting receiving core, is Mohamed Sanu senior. Mm-hmm. Just because the number of years in the league. I mean, they ju- also the Patriots signed Marquise Lee in the offseason. You know, who knows what we're going to do. If he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, they got Nikhil Harry, who they drafted a couple years ago at wide receiver. You know, for me, the biggest, you know, it's kind of the biggest difference between Patriots and Panthers is tight end position because Matt Lacoste is no Greg Olson. Right. But this is where this is going to be one of the biggest question marks because, Mm -hmm. like I say, for Cam to get adjusted to not having the style of players that he's had around him. I mean, Greg Olson is an all-pro tight end. Hall of Famer. You know, potentially Hall of Famer, I would have to say so. But he's always been a very big security blanket for him. I'd say say the one thing that's going to work in Cam's favor compared to the two teams is probably offensive line. Mm -hmm. Just looking at the body of work, Patriots offensive line, if they're all healthy, mind you, a lot better than Carolina's. Oh, I have to agree, too. I mean, the fact that if Carolina had New England's offensive line, Christian McCaffrey would be setting more records than he is right now. Oh, yeah. The fact he's doing what he is with with an average line at best Mm -hmm. is really telling. So now that Cam's going to have protection – he is going to have a very high expectations oh, yeah. for his play. He's, I mean, like I said, it's, it's going to be a very high bar for him to hit. I think he can. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. fully think that he's going to have a great year. I know a lot of uh, early fantasy football experts are, are saying he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. Mm. 
Uh, he could be in that could discussion, be. but I could think be. it just depends on when because let's face it, he's got to get on the field with the team against real competition. Uh-huh. We can say this right now yeah. that he's going to be ranking up there, but it just depends on how quickly they gel and how do the players adjust to a completely new playing style. Yeah. Because that's what New England's going to have to do. And will they do it? Yeah, I fully think oh, so. I mean, totally. I mean, Belichick and everybody up there, they have one model pad. And what is that mod? Do your job. Exactly. So they'll make sure that they're ready to go. I also wouldn't doubt in the next couple of days and weeks, you know, obviously we've seen C19 going on and figuring out the right way to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing videos on social media of Cam working out with the receiving core. Oh, yeah. Just to get stuff nailed and, like, really get get a jump on this now. Well, it'd be the smart thing to do, and I fully see him doing that as well because, obviously, when you're coming into a team at this stage of the year, now, granted, as you touched upon, C19 has really changed everything. A little bit of a monkey wrench. Yes. So that being said, it's going to definitely mix things up of how teams would normally get ready for the season. Mm-hmm. And obviously Newton has a to adjust very quickly yeah. to a new set of teammates, which he can do. And like I say, just you're going to have to give some patience to him going into week mm-hmm. one because obviously we don't know what the phases are going to be for preseason games yet. Right. The only thing we know is the Hall of Fame game that was supposed to be held in Akron is not going down this year. Correct. Uh, obviously, they're they're waiting for uh, numbers to go down for C19 mm-hmm. and such. So we yep. only know that that game has been canceled for Correct. this year. Everything else we don't know yet. And we're still going to have some time to wait, even though we are getting into July now. And that's usually a month out before mm-hmm. we start seeing preseason. Yeah, I'd say the only thing I've heard in the last couple of weeks is uh, nothing in terms of what's going to happen with preseason games. The only thing I've heard is that the joint practices a lot of teams like to do, if not all of them. I don't know. I know the Patriots like to do it mm-hmm. in the pre- in preseason. Is whoever they're playing that week, the entire week leading up to it, they'll practice against them. Uh, those probably will not be happening. No, I definitely don't think it will. I think if anything, you might have more split squads. Yeah, I think you might have that. Like you, yeah, your you know, your your first up, and then your your second line, and then your thirds. I think you're going to see something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it just depends on where they are on the depth chart. I, I, but like I say, we won't know until we actually start seeing. That's just my guess at it. Yeah. And especially for a quarterback coming into a new team, the more reps he gets with everybody, the better mm-hmm. he's going to be. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Newton has definitely played in the season or played in the league for quite a t- quite a, quite a while now. Yeah, so I drafted in 2011, if I remember correctly. Right. So he definitely is used to coming into a training camp and getting ready to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to take that long for him to adjust. No. But, but honestly, you can have all the practice you want yeah. until you get on the field against real competition. It's anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that he's going to have to look at, and so is Bill Belichick too, is unfairly they're going to have to be getting compared to how Brady's doing in Tampa Bay. Yeah. And I, I mean, that was an inevitability, even without Cam being there. Oh yeah, no, it was. It, it's definitely going to be looming over both teams yeah, throughout yeah. the year because now the question is, let's say Tampa Bay goes ten and six, New England goes nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Is the season looked at as a failure? No, I don't think so. I mean, expectations weren't high for the season even before Cam. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cam coming in, I'm not sitting here going, "Oh my God, they're going to make the Super Bowl." I'm sitting here going. The season might be a little better than I was looking. I was looking at maybe a, a 500 year, if not sub 500 year. You know, I don't think it's lucked at a failure. I think it's hey, you you didn't finish winless and you didn't finish below 500. 
that's a win. Oh, I, I I have to agree too. I don't think it would be looked upon as a failure by any means. I have read some early reports from many different sources that mm-hmm. are saying, well, you know, if the Patriots don't make the playoffs with Cam, it's a bust. I mean, that was the case with Brady, but, but Cam, let's not forget, good player, former MVP, led his team to a Super Bowl is coming off of some injuries It is yeah. coming off some nagging injuries and that's the troubling thing with injuries in any sport you don't know what you're going to get coming out of those injuries yeah so this is where it's going to have to really be interesting to watch mm-hmm. what the patriots do because i think as much as they're going to have eyes on them they can't worry about what brady's doing and vice versa and i don't know and i don't think I mean, it, the belichick's gonna get asked about it every single time he's in front of a camera and he will give the best answers possible oh my god i cannot wait oh those are gonna be phenomenal if if anyone hates the patriots i i recommend you look up a compilation video of bill belichick answering questions and tell me you hate the man you might hate him you know for what he's done you got to respect the the level of pettiness oh his pettiness will be through the roof oh, it's and, gonna be so and i just know that he's gonna really make a point to say they want to have a better season than tampa bay oh yeah and it'll be the driving force that I think if Tampa Bay is playing at one o'clock and they're playing at four o'clock, mm-hmm. and let's say Tampa win, Tampa Bay wins a game by 20, 21 points, uh, they're going to want to win by twenty four. Just, uh, to, just no, to do no, it. no, 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 Belichick, it'll they'll want to make it win by like forty two. Well, it'll probably be by forty two, but I'm being yeah. realistic here, yeah. just because you know that now this competition is going to be set, and you gave a man who needs no motivation extra motivation. Yeah, and it's just scary to think what Belichick's going to do because all the only thing he's doing right now is scheming for the season. Well, that and hanging out with his dog Nike. Yes, the greatest dog on the planet. Oh, yeah, I, I've seen some of the social media posts. Oh, I'm sure. It, it's incredible. Uh-huh. But this is to show that Patriots are going to run their business like normal. Tampa yeah. Bay is going to have to step up and really match them. And I think Brady's going to really ball out this year. I would say I think the more pressure is on Tampa Bay just because you've got Brady, you've got Gronk, you've got all of these guys who came down for him. Anything less than a trip to the Super Bowl for them is a failure. Mm-hmm. Even, even if they make a deep run in the playoffs, which – What's that been since they did that when they won the Super Bowl in 2002? Something like that? Something like that. Anything less than a trip to the Super Bowl for that team is a failure because you just spent all this money on Brady, all this money on Gronk, all this money on you know whoever else I'm blanking on who exactly they signed at the moment. Any Anything less than a Super Bowl trip is a failure. Well, they went all in. I mean, that's the one thing yeah. about Tampa Bay is, and especially for paying as much as they did to get the services of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That was a, a clear statement to win now. Oh, yeah. So they can't build for the next few seasons. No. Is Super Bowl or bust. And right now, if looking at the rest of the NFC South, mm-hmm. it's possible. I mean, the New Orleans Saints are are starting to slowly transition from Drew Brees yeah. to, uh, to now wherever they're going to be, the identity of that team. Yeah, so every year we think they're going to light the league on fire, and then they don't. Yeah, because now, I mean, I don't know if Jameis Winston is going to be the next guy. I don't know you know what they're going to do. But with Sean Payton and company, that window is slowly closing. I'll say the only people excited for what Drew Brees does is NBC. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that they're waiting on. Yep. And then looking at Atlanta, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Exactly. So we don't even know. Nope. And then Carolina is now in a transition phase. New head coach, new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. I'll say before Brady went to Tampa Bay, I, I would have said uh, Carolina is probably your odds-on favorite to contend for the uh, first place. I mean, they could be. I mean, like they say, it's so wide open now for the NFC South, and you don't know what you're going to get out of that entire division. Mm-hmm. It's completely up in the air. Yeah. So for Brady to come in, yeah, I mean, they should make the playoffs for the amount of the, they have. But they oh, yeah. and the only thing that's going to be haunting them the entire year is 
well, how does your record compare to the Patriots? Mm-hmm. It's unfair, but it's true. Yeah. And for the Patriots, they're going to have to worry about the same thing, but they're in a division that, yeah, they could arguably win again. Oh, yeah. I mean, Miami is Miami. Yeah. Enough, enough said there. Yeah. The Jets, who knows? I mean, you have your star safety trying to leave. Yeah. They're, they're in the offseason. You don't know what you're going to get out of your running back core. And, right. And Sam Darnold, is he a bust or is he a hit? I mean, you have to you have to exclude the, the yeah. time you missed because of mono. Right. But let's face it, we don't know. And then the yeah. Buffalo Bills, can we continue that success that they had last year? Right. That's the questions you're going to have to answer. And this is just something for football fans. It's going to be really fun to watch mm-hmm. and see. So, Pat, so let me close out with this since you are the Patriots fan in the room. Sure. What do you think the record is going to be now? Uh, I'm going to say 11 and 5. 11 and 5. 11 and 5. Okay. I will say 9 and 7. Okay. Uh, but I, and I'm just thinking there's going to be a couple close games. Who knows what could happen? It's anybody's guess, though. I do think they make the wild card, though. Okay. I, I will give you that as much as I, I hate saying that. But I'm being fair and I'm being honest. With Cam Newton leading the way, too, I think he's going to have a monster year if he can stay healthy. Uh-huh. But if he gets injured, I mean, who knows? I know his contract is very heavy, heavy and, laced with incentives. Right. I think it's only for, like, $1 million. But then with incentives, if he gets them all, it's, like, up to, like, $7 million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's something crazy, which you know he's going to definitely want to do. Oh, not, yeah. not even just to collect on incentives, mm. but to prove the fact that Carolina made a mistake by getting rid of him. Oh, yeah. And he's going to want to say, I'm still an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. So definitely all eyes are going to be on Foxborough now this season with the addition of an all-pro all quarterback. So yeah. who knows what we're going to get. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Cam Newton to New England, what is your thoughts on the future of the Patriots and what is your thoughts about the future of the NFL? How does this impact your team? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH. The greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Time to talk some UFC. Mm-hmm. Pad, this past weekend, we may have had another contender for fight of the year. Uh, I'd say so. This fight definitely stole the show and then some and made an instant star out of two people that definitely deserved it after this fight. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? We previewed it at the end of last week's ODPH sports show. And we were talking about Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. Doy. This one had huge lightweight title implications because, mm-hmm. as I said, if, if Hooker had won, he would definitely be in the number one contendership talk, if not for a title shot down the road. Right. For Dustin Poirier, we didn't know what we were going to expect, obviously, just fighting Habib. Mm-hmm. 
who knew what we we're going to have and man did this ever deliver live from the apex in las vegas pad you got the breakdown yeah so of course as ken mentioned this took place over the weekend uh lightweight matchup the one more fight we're talking about of course dustin poirier versus dan hooker uh where dustin poirier emerged victorious via unanimous decision uh 48 47 48 47 and then 48 46 easily in contention like i said for mm-hmm. fight of the year i mean between wheelie and jerjacek this one is up there. Yeah. It lived up to the billing. If you like violence, holy sugar cookies did if this like, ever. If you like watching a fight and wondering how somebody's teeth didn't come out. Well, it goes to show, I mean, let, let's take some early takeaways from this. Okay. D- Dustin Poirier, we knew what we were going to get out of him. Yeah. And he is Haymakers. definitely. He's, he's known to scrap. He will definitely get in there with the best of them. You can go through his lineage throughout his career. He has always stepped up to fight the top of the top competition. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Dan Hooker, we didn't know a lot about. I mean, obviously, the record showed he was definitely worthy yeah. of the talk. Yeah. But but obviously, we didn't know what we were going to get out of him because it's the first time. In my opinion, he had some real competition he stepped up to. Mm-hmm. I mean, fighting Poirier is a former uh, interim world champion. So yeah. what were we going to get? Hooker looked great coming out yeah. of the gate. Yeah. And I will say this, that second round they might be the Lord. greatest round in MMA history. It's up there. I, yeah, it's up there with Clay Guida, Diego Sanchez, I round was, one. I was thinking that one for number one all time. Oh, my God. The combinations Hooker was landing on Poirier. Say both uh, individuals have jaws of titanium. My God. Or whatever the strongest uh, metal on earth is. Vibranium, adamantium, you both. name it. They how they were still standing at the end of this was insane. Poirier was on the worst end of that. That that round was all hooker. Uh-huh. But Poirier rallied and definitely came back and stole some rounds at the at the end because like I said, there was a five round decision. Yep. Unanimous decision. I I will say this, I did not agree with the forty eight forty six. Yeah, that seemed a little I I heard that one, I was like, eh, I don't yeah. think I see that one. But it all depends on what judges think. And, yeah. and the one question you had is Hooker was working takedowns in the third, fourth, and for the fifth as well, mm-hmm. too. But Poirier would try slapping on the guillotine, yeah, which was not as effective. No. I know I was actually talking with common man Vince Atoli from Crow's Nest MMA about this, mm-hmm. and he was just saying, he goes, I wish Poirier would give up on that guillotine. He never gets it. Well, and especially, yeah, you know, you got to be careful with takedowns and, and attempting submissions on hooker uh out of his 20 career uh professional mixed martial arts wins uh seven of them are by submission yeah so going to the ground with him it's it's scary but like mm-hmm. i say he rose up to the occasion i i, I give him full credit for this yeah. one because like i said in i really wasn't sure what we were going to get out of him and obviously his record was worthy of getting him into this right. shot because if he had won I would say he has to be number one contender. Yeah, I, I, I fully, or at least get the title or the the bout for number one contendership. Like mm-hmm. you had to give him that if you beat Poirier. Yeah, and he definitely looked good, but I think Poirier just outlasted him and mm-hmm. just, just it's one thing when you're in those five round fights. Yeah, and since Poirier has been there before, and this is one thing I, t- I touched upon last week, he's used to this. Oh yeah, I think for a Hooker. It was a challenge for him a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. Just because I'm looking at his record uh, prior to this fight, he had a three-fight winning streak, uh, beating the likes of Paul Felder, Ali Quinta, and James Vick. Uh, he lost to Edson Barbosa back in December of 2018. Uh, so I had a couple wins together. It was definitely a, a tough uh, fight for him because outside of you know running into the bear that is Habib, mm-hmm. you know uh, Poirier had beaten the likes of in order Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje. 
Anthony Pettis had a no contest against uh, Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez uh, landed in legal knees to Poirier's head, who was a dumped opponent. And then uh, he beat uh, Jim Miller back in February of 2017. So his last, uh, outside of you know the bear that is Habib, mm-hmm. uh, Poirier's last loss was a he lost by knockout to Michael Johnson back in 2016. Yeah. So Poirier has definitely gone through names there, and like you touched on, Justin Gaethje is one, mm-hmm. a very big one right now. He knocked him out. Yes. So the question becomes now, obviously Poirier said after the fight he wants to take a little time off. Sure. And rightfully so. Earned I mean, it. This is, this is a battle upon battles, and where he goes from here, actually both fighters go from here, it's kind of a question mark now. Mm-hmm. I think – with the where the easy answer for Poirier, and this fight makes a lot more sense to me, uh-huh. is I think he should fight Tony Ferguson. Oh, I think that he can't get an automatic rematch against Habib. No, I, I'm sorry. As as much as I am a Poirier fan, it didn't warrant it. Their first, no. their first bout didn't warrant an automatic rematch. No. Or, or, and plus, it's tough to just get one fight and then jump in there. I mean, obviously, if somebody gets hurt and you need a last minute replacement, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But for Poirier, I think that fight would make a lot more sense, and especially yeah. if he wants to contend for the 155 title, that's a fight that could be an instant number one contendership mm-hmm. match because if he beats Dan Hooker and he beats Tony Ferguson, yeah, he's right back in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. because I'm looking at the rankings courtesy of US, UFC.com slash rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, lightweight champion is currently Habib. Uh J- Justin Gaethje is the interim champion. Uh, Dustin Poirier is currently the number two ranked fighter. Tony Ferguson, the number three ranked fighter. Conor McGregor, the number four ranked fighter. And Dan Hooker, the number five ranked fighter. So just just looking at Poirier here. Okay, you just beat Dan Hooker. Conor McGregor, as of this recording in uh, June of 2020, is still retired. Mm-hmm. So nothing to be said there. And if I'm not mistaken, aren't Habib and Gaethje set up for something later this year? Yes. I so, don't... yeah, no, your, your matchup of Poirier versus Ferguson makes perfect sense. Habib versus Gaethje settle the belt dispute there mm. and whoever wins there gets uh poirier for their next fight if i'm not mistaken they are still set for september okay i want to say it's going to be on fight island which i know is a subject near and dear to you pad Aye. the pictures are coming out now Aye. so it's a it's a literal octagon on a beach yeah it's this thing is the memes coming out of this are gonna be great this thing is so wild we're gonna dive into it next week but i but i saw those early pictures and i immediately thought of you pat and i'm just like oh um, like we'll have much to digest next week but we had to talk about this fight though i mean this this card for being at the apex too and i gotta say this uh-huh. i'm actually sad to see them leave the apex yeah the fights that they've had there real good have been amazing real good i mean for making the most of a bad situation. Yeah. The apex is definitely lift up to a spot for great fights. Oh, it has. And it's kind of a blessing in disguise because normally, you know, let's look at last year. What was one of the big issues we hit with UFC fights is you always hit a point in the year after a couple of good fights where there's just a lull Mm -hmm. because all of your top name talent and and up and comers have fought and they're either on medical suspension or they got a fight set up for down the road and you're scheduling cards with folks you might not know the names of unless you're a super, super, super diehard MMA fan. So the you know as as much as it sucks with C19 and all the cards getting canceled and scrambling to figure out where put stuff is is going to be held it's almost a blessing in disguise because you can now schedule all these great cards because all of their fighters are rested and ready to go yeah this is one i, I hate saying benefit cuz i don't think there's anything good about what's no. what's going on right now but you touched upon that right there i mean it definitely helps you make super fights yeah. right now because 
the shutdown of being a super active schedule. But mm-hmm. the, I, I have to say the UFC is definitely going to make the most of Fight Island. Yeah. And the fact we're going to have Gaethje versus Habib, that's been locked. I Neither one wants to fight anybody else. So that, no. is, that is locked. And then, like I said, September, unless something changes, is going to be when we get this. Well, and you got to imagine if something happens between their Poirier is going to be ready to go. Well, Poirier would be ready to go, I think, if they needed him to step in. But I honestly, I, I don't think they would necessarily depending on like what the situation is can you imagine if something happens with that september fight and gagey can't go and poirier's you know "Ah, you know what i'm not quite ready to go and we actually get habib versus ferguson (sighs) can you imagine if that actually happens and it like what if that's the way they got to get this done not schedule it but have something go wrong with another fight habib's supposed to be in and put tony ferguson in there what if that dana if you're listening what if that's the way to get that fight to finally happen my god that would be nuts like, that, like we finally get the fight, but it's not because, but it's because Tony Ferguson wasn't scheduled. Maybe that's how you do that. Maybe, maybe that's how you break the curse. I don't know because for that fight, and for anybody that is not familiar with that, and we've they've tried making that fight five or six times. It, tr- it's been canceled five or six times. Yeah, it's five or six times that that fight has been canceled. At like, one point, uh, one of the two fighters, I forget who it might have been Ferguson, uh, tripped on a cord yep. in their home. Yeah, no, he tripped on a, t- a TV studio. Oh, that's right. He was doing press for it. Yeah, yeah, he tripped on a cord in a TV studio and fell and blew his knee out. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. I'm not lying. One. Google it. We can't make this up. Like this fight has been cursed from day one. Mm-hmm. But if that's how it happens, I mean, that would be. Find me a person who's not okay with that. I dare you. Oh, well, you know what's what's scary right now too. Gaethje is training with uh, Kamaru Usman. Hey. And you should see some of the Hol- training. The, holy shit! The one videos that's released that they're giving each other body shots in the clinch. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that, uh, that's not something I want to see happen, but it's th- happening. That's a real thing. Uh, so let that sink in, Pat. So uh, your, your theory is not exactly completely far-fetched there of Ferguson maybe jumping in back in. But I think Poirier versus Ferguson makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I could see Poirier maybe, but I, like, I'm like i kind of torn on this if you want to make another run back at 145 uh-huh. because that division right now they are booking a lot of fights for. Like, uh-huh. we already know that Max Holloway is going to have a fight against the champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. Yep. We know at some point, and if you've been following social media, the back and forth between Brian Ortega and the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung, has been bananas. Uh, you had me sold at Korean zombie's name because that man is nuts, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, no, there, there's there been a long history. Like, I'm even trying to get caught up on it for the amount of social media back and forth uh-huh. that is going on right now. Like, that fight is locked up. I don't even think they would take a title shot right now. Oh, really? That's how bad this has gotten. That This is... <laughs> I don't... I, I always hate saying this, like, it's personal, but uh-huh. it's up there. So that one's kind of logjammed the division a little bit. I know Zabit is floating around 145. Right. I know he has another fight booked coming up, but if he wins that, I th- you have to give him the title shot. Oh, yeah, so, easily, easily. But if something happens and he needs an opponent, could Poirier tr- drop back down to 145 and fight? Uh, probably. Maybe. I, but I think 155 is a better weight class for him. I don't see him going to 170. No. I think 155 is perfect for him. And I could definitely see the fight with Ferguson happen. And as for Dan Hooker, he definitely deserves a big money fight for mm-hmm. this. For for obviously last one with Poirier and putting on the performance he did is just yeah. is just Poirier rallied at the end and, yeah. and, and utilized takedowns. And that's the veteran so ran, fight sense that he had. Ran into a very battle tested individual. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And this is how Hooker can definitely improve and grow from. Yeah. 
I am just kind of curious of who they would pen in for him next. Mm-hmm. I in in a perfect world, and we're not talking egos. It's mm-hmm. Connor. Yeah, that but Connor, as we said, is still retired. Connor is Connor, so who knows what's going to happen? I can't. There. I can't see Connor coming out of his self-imposed retirement for Dan Hooker. I mean, looking at the rest of that division, uh, ranks six through ten are as follows: Charles Oliveira, Paul Felder, Diego Ferreira, Kevin Lee, and then Al Iaquinta. For a hooker, I think it's Oliveira. I would love to see that fight. They have not fought. Mm. That one, I know it's five versus six. Yeah. And I know I said, well, you know, hooker deserves somebody in a higher position. But don't sleep on the run Oliveira has been on. No. And I will say this, and you can timestamp this. If they have that fight and hooker beats Oliveira, mm. I'd have zero issue with him leapfrogging. And going for the number one contendership fight. So as we record, I'm looking at uh, Charles Oliveira's record. Mm -hmm. Uh, 38 professional matches. He has 29 wins and eight losses. He uh, has beaten the likes of Clay Guida, Christos Giagos. Apologies if I butchered that name. uh, Jim Miller, David Temur, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon, and Kevin Lee. His last loss was to Paul Felder back in December of 2017. Yeah. Oliveira is on a run right now. Uh And like I say, I don't think people realize it because I know he flies a little bit under the radar. Uh, The guy is a submission magician, if I I can use that phrase. Holy shit, I'm I'm just noticing that. Out of his recent run, he's got one, two, three, four, five fights he's won by submission. The other other ones are knockout, TKO, and and then the other two are knockouts. Good Lord. Yeah, no, like I said, I think that would be a perfect fight. And I would have zero problem. Like, if if that leapfrogged hooker over mm-hmm. and gets him into a title shot after that one, I, I'm not struggling with that. Like, I would, like, normally I'd say, well, the rankings matter. In this <laughs> case, no. The body of work that Oliveira has to the body of work that Hooker has established now, because the Poirier fight has just put him on the map. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Oh, yeah. Before this, yeah, he was in the top 10 of the most stacked division in the UFC. Take nothing away from that. But was he really generating the buzz that he's getting right now? Yeah. No, I mean no. he he wasn't. I mean that's the that's the thing. When you have no. a when you have a breakout fight, this is when you can skyrocket yourself into a big money fight or a big yeah. title fight. Oh yeah, perfect case. Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, oh yeah. Prior to Ben Askren, we all knew who he was oh, because yeah. we watch. Oh yeah. But the minute he gave that flying knee, while being casual as all hell against the octagon, right against Ben Askren and, and ended his career. I'll say, let, let's be honest. Go back and find, go over to YouTube and find the clip. I know you can find it. There's a shot of him before the, the ref says, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Where Masvidal is leaning against the cage. He's not doing your usual, you know, ready to fight, you know, track running stance. You mm-hmm. know, he, he, like, all right, I'm ready to charge at you. And Brand. he's like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. That's a, that's a typical situation where you have a breakout fight and you put yourself on the mainstream map. Mm-hmm. And when you can get there, you almost can write your ticket for a little bit. Hooker is now in that conversation for lightweight. But I think that you have too many fights already booked right now in your top echelon that you know that Connor's not going to fight unless it's some absurd payday. Mm-hmm. And the only fight, I'm already going to tell you, he's only going to come back to fight Nate Diaz. You're going to have the trilogy fight at some point. Mm-hmm. I can't see him fighting anybody else unless it's maybe Masvidal. Maybe. Maybe. But 
he's for as far as lightweights go, he's holding out hope he's going to fight Habib. He's not leapfrogging anybody in that division. No. If he was, if he really wanted to fight Gaethje, he had the opportunity. He didn't. And I'm sorry, that's just how it is. Unless they want to put him against Ferguson, yeah, I could understand that maybe, but mm-hmm. I also don't think Conor wants any part of Ferguson. No. So that being said, he's off the board. If you make the fight of Poirier and Ferguson, Gaethje against Habib, Hooker gets somebody in the t- in the number one or title fight yeah. if, he, if he wins against Oliveira. I mean, that's yeah. the fantasy booking. Or if he's healthy enough to come back. I mean, I know he took a absolute bruising and then some. Yeah. You can see the pictures online. Yeah. He's going to have to take some time to recover. He's not going to be fine for a while. No. But when he comes back, guarantee you he's in a big-name fight with title implications. Mm-hmm. And, you know, congratulations. This is one, one of the things when you have one of those epic fights. Oh, yeah. That both fighters win. And I know it kind of sounds weird to say, but for a rising star like Dan Hooker, this just put him on the map. Oh, absolutely. And for Poirier, it is a huge fight for him and his legacy where he's going and now, I mean, there's only one fight that makes sense to me on this one. Oh, yeah. But we'll have to wait and see about that. But to close out this segment, Pat, mm-hmm. we are now entering Fight Island. Mm-hmm. First half of the UFC is over. What stands out to you most about the early half of the UFC? Uh, Min- minus anything COVID, because obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. that is what uh, it is. I got to say, just some of the good fights we've had, you know, opening the year with uh, Connor versus Cowboy. Mm-hmm. You know, and then kind of reaching the midway point of the year and having the the epic war between Poirier and uh, Hooker, you know, just just all the great fights we've had in a time where you know, I don't outside COVID, but COVID kind of tying into this at a time when things were kind of like real up in the air and we didn't know what we were going to get at all. Mm-hmm. See, like them putting together some, some really awesome fights has been great to see. Yeah, I will say there's two takeaways from this year. One. We've had some great fights as of late. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like we talked about, I mean, uh, Wheelie versus Jurjacek, yeah. that, that's been the fight of the year thus far. I will say Poirier versus Hooker is in the conversation. Definitely now. And yeah, yeah. We, we've had some other great matchups throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we were very critical about Dana White and the UFC running during COVID. Mm-hmm. So far, they have done everything yeah. according to the health standards. We have not heard about any real major no. breakouts, like in comparison to the WWE as of late, yeah. amongst others. Yep. But for the most part, that they have come away from this more or less unscathed, mm-hmm. and they found a way to make this work. So I and I will say because at first when they were being very quiet about their plans, yeah, and obviously at that time they needed to be more more forthcoming about it. Mm-hmm. Since then. They've now shown how they're doing it. They're showing that they can run a successful sporting business mm-hmm. during this time period. So I have to applaud them on that. So as long as they're adhering to this, going to Fight Island, yeah, because now it's a whole different ball game for what they're planning on doing. Oh yeah. As long as they're keeping that safety in mind for the fighters and everybody that's involved with hosting those events, then I'm okay with this continuing. And so far, they've given no reason not to. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, I got to give a shout out to Luis Pena for winning the nickname uh, nickname of the year. Uh, Luis Pena, you might not know the name, but he fought on the prelims of uh, this car on the Violent car, Bob Ross. Violent Bob Ross might be the greatest nickname I've ever heard in MMA. Yeah, I, it, it's quite possible. I mean, he's definitely a character. Because I got to admit, I didn't see the prelims just because prelims and I didn't know any names. But I looked on Twitter at one point and I'm like, violent Bob Ross. Bob Ross, and I'm thinking of the painter from television. I'm thinking, Bob Ross isn't violent. He's very nice and very caring. 
what the heck are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, it's a UFC fighter. That's his nickname? That's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, you should Google him. He is mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, but I will also say, like, some other takeaways. We're seeing some rising stars yeah. up here. Uh, Sh- Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah, oh, yeah. I almost said Shane because I'm so, so used to saying Sugar Shane McMahon from WWE. <laughs> but, uh, no, the Sugar Show in the UFC is mm-hmm. definitely a rising star to watch. Yeah. Uh, their bantamweight division is really kicking up some steam now, which I love seeing. The welterweight division, mm-hmm. <laughs> the fights they can make happen there. And I know that we're going to have a very big one to kick off UFC 251 with Usman versus Burns. Oh, yeah. Is going to be a huge thing. And I guess the only takeaway now is just there's fight, a lot more fighter holdouts right now going mm-hmm. on. I mean, whatever the situation is currently with John Jones, right? I know they're trying to talk about working out a new UFC deal. I know Jorge Masvidal is waiting in the wings to do some work on his deal as well, too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Connor is Connor, so who knows? So, I mean, yeah, that's been the only downside, I would say, to the fight business this year. I mean, obviously, take COVID out of the equation because. Mm-hmm. That's a world event. That's not a fighting event. Right. That's that's more implications than, than anything. But for the UFC to continue running, and who would have thought during this entire pandemic that they would be the leaders of how to run business of a sporting event? Mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's a mind-blowing thing, but so far, so good. I hope they keep it up because it ultimately comes down to fighter safety and your staff's safety at those events. As long as they are still safe and long as they are still healthy, the UFC has a very bright 2020 still ahead of them. And next trip is to Fight Island. Get ready. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Poirier versus Hooker? Who do they have next in line for fights? And what do you think is the future of the UFC for the rest of 2020? We're going to Fight Island next week. Get ready. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Andrew from the Pop Culture Brewers podcast. We're the podcast where we take pieces of pop culture we absolutely love, we do deep dives on them, and then at the end of the episodes, we reveal to you the beers we were inspired to make by it. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and all of the usual suspects. Why not come check us out and have a pint? Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Toy local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and this is actually the start of two big weeks of pro wrestling. Pat. Yeah. So on both AEW and WWE NXT programming, mm-hmm. the next two weeks are going to be "quote unquote" pay per view type events. We'll say for those of you who remember the Monday Night Wars, you're going to have a little bit of deja vu as you'll probably be flipping back and forth between the two channels. Yes. So they're splitting up. AEW's Fighter Fest into two weeks, uh, July 1st and July 8th on TNT. And the NXT brand is bringing back 
the Great American Bash, the longtime WCW summer pay-per-view event, and splitting it up on two nights on the USA Network, July 1st and July 8th. I say, are they going to continue tradition and have a dastardly heel turn on one of the nights for Great American Bash? Probably. Probably. I just haven't figured out who yet. Keith Lee. Oh, if only. Can you imagine if they have him turn heel and he just starts wrecking everybody? That's what I say. Just like him just going completely, uh-huh. just destroying everybody is just amazing. Saying. But we will get into that for next week because I do have my predictions because now he is in a title match. Uh-huh. Champion versus champion. Winner takes all. Oh, my. And that's the main event yep. for the Great American Bash next week. But for this week, though, let's start off talking about their card on the USA Network, 8 yeah. o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Pad, why don't you start us off? Uh, so the co- the card is as follows. Uh, in no particular order, you have Roderick Strong versus Dexter Loomis in a strap match. All right, so this one has been building up for a while. Dexter mm-hmm. Loomis is a very strange character, to yeah. say the least. Yeah. Uh, has been feuding with the Undisputed Era, and especially Roderick Strong, for a while. Very interesting that they're going with a strap match. We yeah. haven't seen one of these in a couple of years. A while, yeah, yeah. where both wrestlers' wrists are tied together, and so they can't run away from each other, and they use it as weapons. Well, so say they did it on a random, aka not one of the big four main roster pay per views within the last few years. But I honestly, it was a forgettable match, and I can't remember who it was. Yeah, they haven't done it in a while because. It, it's For some a, reason, uh, Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, comes to mind. Maybe he did it. Uh, it's quite possible. Like I'll, I'll be honest. I forget about it because, I mean, like I say, it's a very old-school uh, 70s and 80s match. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's a throwback kind of match. So yeah. this one should be very, very uh, hard-hitting in its own right. I am going to take Roderick Strong for the win. Yeah. Um, but I would not doubt. Like, they're really big on Loomis right now, and I just – like, I don't get his character. It's kind of like a weird uh, just – you know, like creepy, yeah. Uh, you know, like kind of vibe to him. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna go with Roddy too. Just they're real big on undisputed air right now, and I can see him beating uh, Loomis and furthering uh, that feud with uh, Loomis and undisputed a little bit more. Okay. Uh, moving on, you have Aaliyah and Robert Stone versus Rhea Ripley with the stipulation: if Ripley loses, she must join the Robert Stone brand. Now, this one, I think, might be your heel turn, actually, Pat. Mm, okay. Because Ripley has been decimating everybody in Robert Stone's uh, brand mm-hmm. for a while. Aaliyah has been trying to join the brand yeah. and hasn't been able to get the job done. So with this stipulation, I think Ripley loses, which is going to be an interesting take for her character. Mm-hmm. So I am going with Aaliyah and Robert Stone on this one. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say that, but it would not surprise me if... Like I'm going to go with that just because I think it'll be create some real interesting storylines for Rhea Ripley to have to join the Robert Stone brand begrudgingly, mm-hmm. and it'll be real interesting to see what they can do with that and how she can maybe worm worm her way out of that agreement. Yeah, because I mean that'll be an ultimate payoff match. Like depending on if they add any more members to the that stable, mm-hmm. who knows? But yeah, I think that's that one's probably your your easiest bet of the night. I would yeah. say. Uh, then you've got Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai versus Candice LeRae versus Mia Yim in an elimination match to crown a new number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. All right, so this one is very, very interesting. All four ladies involved are definitely worthy of the number one contendership. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Candice LeRae has been on fire as oh, yeah. in her new uh, what pint-sized poison gimmick role? Uh, her her heel turn. Yes, her heel turn has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mia Yim has been feuding with her, so that one is definitely 
could build up a little more in their in their feuds respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai have been going at it for a while. That that's yeah. been long standing. Dakota Kai has been one to benefit of doing a heel turn in her own character too. So this one, like I said, it's kind of up in the air. But if I have to make an early prediction, and I am going to, I'm taking Candice LeRae. Oh, okay. Who you got? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Candice LeRae too. I think she's got all the the heat and, and stuff going for her. I think you know a potential matchup between her and Io Shirai would be awesome, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, this one I think is going to be a really great match. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this one could steal the night, except I think there's another one, which I think we're about to get into, that is going to definitely be a sleeper on the card if you're not familiar with both gentlemen involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, that matchup is Oni Lorcan versus Timothy Thatcher in a good lord, someone's teeth are going to go flying match. If oh, you, okay, not really, but that's what I'm thinking. No, if you really want a hard-hitting match... And with two guys that bring it every single night and they do not take it easy on their opponents, this is your match. I'll say to quote one of the old Looney Tunes cartoons, those of you with weak constitutions will want to leave the building. Yeah, this one is not going to be for the weak of heart. They're really they're really going to be landing some shots. We'll say on a scale of 1 to 10 for how hard-hitting this is going to be, it's going to be about a 15. I mean, the last match that Timothy Thatcher was in was that um, steel cage match with Matt Riddle. I forget. Mm-hmm. The, they actually had a different name for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a crazy structure. He had teeth knocked out in that match. Yeah. Legitimately. And still put a whooping on Matt Riddle. Yeah, just a bit. So this one, he now faces off with Oni Lorcan. Lorcan always has great, oh yeah, great NXT takeovers. Also has great tweets. Yes, he's always very great tweets because he yells a lot. Uh huh. And definitely is going to be excited for this one. He's been calling out Thatcher for a while. I am taking Timothy Thatcher in this one, and like I said, the whooping is going to be going down on this one because they yeah. are going to be definitely throwing haymakers and everything else. Like I said, th- I shouldn't even say whooping. This is going to be a straight-up ass-kicking mm-hmm. for both gentlemen. And like oh, yeah. I say, this is not going to be one for the weak of heart. Yep. And then the last matchup you have on the first night of the Great American Bash is the WWD- yeah, WWE Women's Tag Team Champion Sasha Banks versus NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai in a non-title match. See, I, I get why they did non-title. Mm-hmm. I do. But I also think that takes away from the match. I mean, it does appear they're trying to give Sasha a second belt in the worst way possible. Right. Because I think that they're ultimately trying to build up her feud with Bailey. Mm-hmm. We all know it's coming. They've already telegraphed it enough. Yeah. It's going to happen. Because doesn't Sasha also have a matchup against Oscar uh, coming up here mm-hmm. for, for the Raw Women's Championship? Yep. So she's got a non-title matchup against Dio Shirai, which... Okay, let's just say Sasha beats her a couple weeks down the road that you can justify having a title matchup between her and Io Shirai. And then she's got a title matchup against Asuka. So you're very clearly setting her up to get two belts in some fashion. You're almost setting up for her to get three belts. Yeah. Like, would it be something which it drives? That'd be wild. Well, you have to That's think, the kind of stuff you see in video games. It, it is, but let me break this down because this is my theory about this. Uh huh. So Bailey has. Two belts, or is she Bailey dose belts? Is yeah, that what she says? yeah, she's saying that because she has the SmackDown Women's Title and yep. she's one half of the Women's Tag Team Champions with Sasha. Correct. All right, so let's say that Sasha beats Io. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that definitely warrants her getting a title shot. Sure. She goes into Extreme Rules, which is the next uh, pay per view for uh, the WWE, and she winds up beating Oscar. Let's, mm-hmm. let's throw this out. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. 
So now they both have two belts. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's the competition who can have three belts. Yeah. So Sasha will get her title shot against EO. Bailey costs her that. They start feuding. Mm. Boom. Oh, okay. I that's, see where you're going. That's how I see it happening. I, I really don't want to see that, though. No. But I, then again, how writing has been on Raw since Paul Heyman left. Yeah, a little suspect. Yeah. So I'm saying that that's probably what we're going to have happen. Probably. So un- begrudgingly, even though I think it's going to be a great match. Oh, yeah. I'm going with Sasha Banks. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with Sasha too, just because it's very like the uh, the evidence that they're that they're setting her up for a feud with Bailey is like as clear as day. You know, you have to be you know near blind to not see it, and it's also very clear given the the setup for this match and then upcoming in Extreme Rules that they're very clearly setting her up to be Sasha Two Belts or whatever the heck she's going to call herself. So you're going to have a matchup potentially between her and Bailey with like four belts on the line or something crazy. It's going to be something wild like that. So overall though, it definitely looks like a strong card top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, which you expect from NXT. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously in your house was a letdown. Yeah. So I fully expect them to bounce back and then some with this one, mm-hmm. but on the other channel though, yep. fighter fest, which was announced first, we have to give that recognition. Mm-hmm. They are going to have their night one, so we're going to break that one down. So, Pad, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so in uh, no particular order, just reading the order they are listed in on the Wikipedia page, uh, you have Kenny Omega and Adam Page, Adam page uh, versus Best Friends uh, in a tag team matchup for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Okay, so this one, Best Friends, has maintained its number one contendership. Uh, if you follow AEW, their rankings are very suspect, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they don't follow them that often. So Best Friends did win Mm -hmm. the number one contendership ranking. They've held on to it. They're finally getting their title shot, which I'm glad they finally have have addressed. Uh, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega have been teasing the potential breakup for a while now. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt Best Friends wins. In fact, I'm going to go with the end new because I think they finally want to get that ball rolling. Yeah. Because – they keep teetering around, and obviously, if you watch Being the Elite, their YouTube channel, they're still teasing. They're together, and mm-hmm. they're, they, they really, in my opinion, they don't know what they're doing with Adam Page. No. Which is a shame. And so that, I'm going to go with Best Friends. I just hope they do, because yeah. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them win a title Yeah, and see where they go from here. I'll say, I'm going to go with Best Friends, too, just from the outside looking in. Not very much of a weekly AEW uh, viewer, but I do peruse the internet. I do peruse Reddit. Uh they're not exactly AEW is not exactly doing anything with Kenny Omega and Adam Page. They're not exactly lighting the proverbial world on fire with incredible matchups. So that being said, you know, good champions, you know, decent run, but it's time to get the belt off of them and give somebody else a shot. Yeah, and plus, I think they want to have best friends maybe be the tag team champions to be a transitional champion to somebody else. Maybe because uh, now with FTR being signed, mm-hmm. not saying they're going to get the title shot out at the gate, but AEW is definitely going to want to get back to. You know, having tag teams fight tag teams. Obviously, Hangman and Kenny Omega were thrown together, and yeah. they've just been working together. So, yeah. I don't know, but we'll kind of see what happens there. Yep. Uh, after that, you've got Cody uh, with Arn Anderson versus Jack Hager in a singles match for the AEW TNT Championship. <sighs> uh-huh. Okay. I, I will give them credit. They're trying to give this secondary title a big fight feel. Mm-hmm. They had a press conference a la the UFC style. Oh, geez. Where it was awkward. It didn't come off well. Like, 
I, I can call up the uh, quick photo here uh-huh. as I'm turning the camera to pad so he can watch uh-huh. a little bit. So it was something that they had, like I said, their own individual press oh, conference. Okay. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. You, where, like I said, it was like a boxing MMA sure, type feel. Sure. Where you had Cody's entire team on one half, and then Jake Hager came in with his wife later, and how it ended, she threw a drink yeah, on Cody. Yeah. And like it, it like I was say, something tells me Mike Tyson gave him a few ideas. Yeah, he's he's been hanging around down at AEW, so I'm not sh- I'm not sure that he's definitely pulling off some knowledge about Mike, Mike, uh, Mike got into some scraps at press conferences. Yes, definitely. So this one, like I said, they've been really trying to push the secondary TNT championship as its own, like main event status. Sure. I mean, I'll give them this. We, anytime they have a quote unquote contract signing on WWE television, be it Raw, SmackDown or NXT, you know, what's going to happen unless you, you stumble across the channel. You've never watched professional wrestling in your life. Even if you haven't watched professional wrestling in 15 years, you know what's going to happen. Somebody's going through the table at the end. So chairs are going to go flying. Fists are going to get thrown. I'll say this. It seems like a twist on that concept with WWE. And at least with that, it's like I can suspend my disbelief a slight amount more. Mm-hmm. Just because in that instance, I'm like, okay, I've seen this. I can understand where they're coming from this. With the WWE method, it's kind of like, all right, this is cheesy. I know this is coming. Just get to it already. Yeah. And for this, like I say... For them to really hype this up, I I think it's a good move in its own right, but I also think it's it shouldn't be overshadowing your world title. I'll say it should be a good matchup, but I'm not exactly like edge of my seat. Oh my god, I can't wait! No, it'll be a fun. It'll be a fun match. It'll yeah. be a good match. Uh, Cody is always good in the ring. And, oh yeah, and Jack Jack Hager, this is his time to shine. I mean, he's been doing the back and forth between Bellator and and mm-hmm. here, so he's always wanted to prove that he's better than what was shown on WWE. Dude, this is your chance. Yeah, I just think the buildup for this has been kind of a little eh, so-so. And, I mean, obviously Cody's been defending the belt since he's won it every week on Kudos to him. Kudos to him. Kudos that they finally listened. And when I was critiquing him on 3FNW over on the 3 Fat Nerds uh, Podcast Network, they were closing the show with him defending the title. Okay. So it kind of almost tipped the hand that he was winning. Or Mm. But they'd started at 9.30, so you know that you're going to have these epic 25-minute matches. Sure. They finally started doing them at nine o'clock, mm. which was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave a little more, you know, believability. Yeah. So, like that being said, I still think Cody retains. Yeah. I think this one will be arguably the longest match of the night. Probably. Maybe thirty minutes plus. Probably. Uh, but I think that maybe we're going to have a continuation of this feud, and we'll see where we go from here. Yeah. Uh, after that, it is Hikaru Shida. Uh, versus Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian in a singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Penelope Ford had a breakout moment at the last pay-per-view mm-hmm. and has definitely earned this title shot. Um, she really, really had a great match with Chris Statlander. Uh, Sheeta just took the belt from Nyla Rose. They had a great match. So I fully expect this is one that's going to be up there as well. I th- oh, yeah. I think Sheeta wins, though. Because I don't think AEW is, is going to be handing off belts that often, no. you know, like you know, with one month title reign. So sure, sure. So that's why I said I think this one will be a good match. I think, like I say, uh, Penelope Ford surprised yeah. the heck out of me yeah. against Statlander. So I fully think that uh, her against uh, Sheeta there is going to be up there as well. Mm-hmm. So like I said, it should be a good match. I still say Sheeta retains. Yeah, I'm thinking she's just going to retain too, but I think it's going to be via disqualification uh, and further the feud between uh, her and Penelope Ford. Just because one of the criticisms we've had over the course of the last few months and years with AEW is their women's division isn't that deep. So, you know, 
I, th- I think it just makes sense to keep them going for a little bit, build up the rest of the women's division, and then go from there. Because you lo- you, on paper, you look at Hikaru Shida and Penelope Ford, on paper, great matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, too. And I, th- and I still think I might be one of the few people that really is thinking this is going to happen. Impact Wrestling released Tessa Blanchard. I am fully thinking she is signing with AEW. Could I am be. not buying into anything that she's coming to WWE. I know what the dirt sheets have been saying. Sure. Until I see her in an NXT ring, sure. I'm not buying it. I fully think that she might even wind up here during this match. All right. Uh, after that, you've got Jungle Express with Marco Stunt versus MJF and Wardlow in a tag team matchup. <sighs> okay. May I rant? Sure. Go ahead. MJF is AEW's most over heel. The internet's most over heel, I would yes, say. Yes, I would say arguably the number one bad guy in all of pro wrestling, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. The man does magic on the microphones. And, and on Twitter. i got to pull one up. Yeah. While Pat is looking at that, I'm giving this breakdown. Since he has come back from his quote-unquote injury angle, right? he has been underutilized, in my opinion. He has been thrown into mid-card feuds when he should be feuding for the TNT championship with Cody. Mm -hmm. And you could build a long program to really hype that up. Mm -hmm. This match against the Jungle Express. Mm -hmm. Jurassic Express. Or Jurassic Express, I'm sorry, because it's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Like, uh, they've been having this feud build for a while. They telegraphed it, the announcement of it, on uh, TNT Dynamite this past week. Right. Like, they tipped it off before, like, they got done fighting in the ring because mm. Tony Khan, the owner of AEW Wrestling, was watching at home and made the match without telling anybody. Yeah. Like, there's just so much with this that I think is just, it's filler, unfortunately. I'm not a big fan of Wardlow. Yeah. Or being a, a very big guy, and he's supposed to be the big monster sure. wrestler. Sure, He struggles picking up normal guy's size uh, doing a press slam. You can see the left hand shaking. Yeah. Which, like, hey, can I do that? No. But if I'm supposed to be billed as the monster yeah. Brock Lesnar type, yeah. Yeah. You, you can't be doing that. Uh found the MJF tweet. Uh, he tweeted this uh, yesterday as we record. Quote, Jack Perry was born into millions of dollars and pretends to be an underdog. Luchasaurus spent his parents' hard-earned money to get a doctorate in medieval history. But I'm the bad guy. Can't wait for Wednesday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jack Perry is the real-life name of Jungle Boy. Yes, and, and he is the uh, son of uh, Luke Perry. Yeah, the late Luke Perry. So yeah, so MJF is hit, hits on all cylinders. So why why is he in a feud that's on the mid card, which it arguably is going to open up the show? Probably. Like I I struggle with that just because it's, it's one of the things with AEW of how they set up their bookings of their matches. Yeah. I just I find fault at it. They, uh, they're getting better just from looking at it and from the again outside looking in because I don't watch it all that much uh, AEW. They're getting better about it just because I'm looking at the matchups and and months ago it was, hey, we got a matchups and we got the storylines planned for our elite guys. Yeah. And the guys were feuding against them. But everybody else, yeah, we got no idea what the hell we're doing. It's not perfect. But they're it, on paper, it looks like it's getting at least a little bit. Better. No, it, it's getting better. No, I, I Pat, I'll, I'll fully grant you that. But I just think that they they get some momentum. Yeah. And they think that a Band-Aid is fully covering a wound. Yeah. And that's where I, I really have struggles with it. That I want to see this company succeed. I truly do. Sure. Because I know a lot of people think that I'm just anti AEW. No, I'm a wrestling fan that wants to see wrestling succeed. Mm-hmm. For this program, you, you're going to be on a year on TV pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You, you've been making baby steps instead of leaps to improve. 
you need to really pick up the pace. Yeah. I think you've dropped this by literally saying we have nothing for the Jurassic Express. Uh-huh. We have nothing for MJF, which is mind-blowing to me. Yeah. So we're just going to have them feud with each other. Because, I mean, at uh, Double or Nothing, you had MJF versus Jungle Boy. Right. So now we're continuing this feud? Like, do we need a payoff with this? I, like, I don't know. The, that's just my opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But for this one, I hope it's MJF wins. But I'm going to say, you know what, Jurassic Express does. All right. That'll be my pick. All right. Uh, and then on the last matchup of this July 1st card, you've got uh, a tag team matchup between Private Party uh, with Matt Hardy versus Santana and Ortiz. Yeah. Um, you know what? This- if there ever was a piss break in this card, uh, this matchup will be it. Yeah, this one won't be the main event. This one might actually open the show. Uh, two great teams, though. I will say this. For their tag team division, Private Party is very underrated, very underutilized, in my opinion. Uh They should be on TV every week. Right. Santana Ortiz uh, is another great tag team. Uh, The former LAX from Impact and the independent scene, I know they call them, what, Proud and Powerful? Something like that, yeah. Um, I don't think they've been utilized enough either, so I really want to see this one steal the show. And really get the internet buzzing so one of these teams can move up and maybe get some title shots going or get a feud going. The Matt Hardy uh, pairing, though, is kind of interesting. They did explain it on being the elite. Uh So there is that. But that's another uh, takeaway from AEW, though. Unless you watch all their YouTube programming, you get lost in why storylines happen. They don't do a good job recapping. So you really have to go dig around the internet to find out how everything is happening here. Right. This one, though, like I said, should be a fun match. I'm going to say because Matt Hardy just got paired with him, Private Party gets the win. More than likely. And I'll be okay with that. Um, I just want this to be a great match, and I fully think that both teams are going to deliver on that. Uh So since we've recapped both shows for July 1st, as we're talking, AEW is going to be on TNT with Fighter Fest. The Great American Bash will be on the USA Network, both 8 o'clock starting times on the Eastern Standard Time Zone. So, Pad, your thoughts. Which one's got the better card? Uh... For me, I'm an NXT guy. NXT's got more interest for me. I'm more invested in, with, in that one. I will say uh, I will probably DVR uh, Dynamite and watch it back later. I got some free time coming up. so And there's some matchups that intrigue me uh, with that one. But So I'll probably watch that one back on DVR uh, you know, a couple days later. But for the immediate like, one I'll be watching live, probably NXT. I have to agree with you. I think NXT has the stronger first night. Of, of matches uh-huh. that I think that for AEW, they have a good card, and I think that you should watch both. I'm going to recommend both. But I think that for where they currently have six matches on for a two-hour time slot in comparison to five matches for two hours on USA, I think AEW has some filler matches that they don't need. And I think that if they took those out – it might be a stronger card uh-huh. a little bit. They're going to be good matches, though. I'm not. I'm not going to say they're not. But like I say, I'm. I have no vested interest in the Jurassic Express and MJF and Wardlow. I watch it because it's MJF. Uh-huh. But this one is really not moving the needle for me. I'm excited for Private Party getting on TV. Um, yeah, and, and watch and take it on Santana and Ortiz because, like I said, both teams have been very underutilized, and it drives me nuts that you have this much talent. And yet you basically have nothing to do for him. And it's a shame. The rest of the card, though, for AEW is is pretty solid. I got to say that. So I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, I'm, for NXT, 
Oney Lorcan versus Timothy Thatcher. Uh-huh. I, I, I might have to actually wear a mouth guard during that match because <laughs> I'm worried my teeth are going to get knocked out. Yeah. But they have a very strong card, too. They're going to be enhancing some storylines. Um, the Shirai Banks one will be very interesting because I think that that one isn't going to be building so much Shirai, but I think it's going to be building for Banks. And, uh-huh. I, I, and, I, and I think that's so weird for the WWE to do Yeah, is take away from your, your NXT brand to build up your SmackDown brand. I, I just, for, on paper, that's what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. If Shirai gets the win, that's a huge win for her. Oh, yeah. I would be completely fine with that as well. But like I said, the way it's 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 reading to me, it's going to be Sasha versus Bailey for who's going to have the three belts. Yeah. That's the sense I'm getting from this, which is a weird storyline. But, hey, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Both shows start this Wednesday, July 1st on TNT Network and USA Network, respectively. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, NXT's The Great American Bash, AEW's Fighter Fest. Which one are you more excited to watch? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And for local minutes, I'm just going to say check out your local area sports team. See what they're up to. I know ours here, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, are talking about doing a fireworks show July 3rd. Yep. So for more information on that, bingrp.com. I'll say I know they just hosted a bunch of local high school graduations, and I will say I have not seen any photos, so I'm going with they didn't put the mascot Rowdy in a cap and gown, which I'm going to say is a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's definitely a missed what opportunity. What about amazing to see. And shout out to anybody that was uh, graduating this year from high school yeah. and colleges. I know yeah. everything was C19. It's been a tough one, but congratulations on, yeah, on, definitely. on accomplishing that. Uh, for local too, I know Binghamton Bulldogs are making some noise as well. I don't have a lot of definite information, so I don't want to speculate too much. Same with Excite Wrestling. I mean, you never know when Johnny Moose and company are going to pop up with you know something to say. So for all of that, definitely check out your local town's social media for for your sports teams. And for Excite Wrestling, you know you can find out everything on the ODPH directory on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. So, Pad, why don't we round those bases and take the show home, shall gotta, we? Yeah, got to start off with the congratulations. I got to admit, I'm not the biggest soccer or football fan uh, in the world. Uh, I do pay attention when the World Cup comes around, but in terms of the regular stuff, don't really pay that much attention. But I got to give some credit because I saw this headline the other day and was absolutely astounded. Congratulations to the Liverpool Football Club, yeah, who won the Premier League Championship uh, this past weekend after ending their 30-year drought between titles. Holy cow, that's a long time. That's wild. Yeah. That's absolutely wild. I, was like, I will not say how uh, young I was when they won their last title because I'll make a lot of people feel really old. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. I was really young. So congratulations to them. Definitely well-deserved. And to their fans, hope you enjoy the win because I know you've been waiting a long time. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, we I know we don't talk soccer a lot here yeah. on, on the ODPH, but, I mean, for, for how much that's a worldwide wide sport yeah. and how much that impact is, I mean, oh, yeah. it's oh, huge, yeah. huge. Yep. Uh, and switching to American football, uh, former NFL uh, quarterback Johnny Manziel uh, did an interview recently with the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and said uh, his football career is probably in the past, uh, saying, quote, in the past probably is the way I'd characterize it. 
I finally got to a point where I'm trying to achieve happiness in life, not happiness on the football field. I know a lot of people probably want me to come back and play and give it another chance, but I don't know. As far as being a person and figuring out life as a young adult, trying to make it and figure it out if I've ever been in a better place than I'm in right now. I can honestly say I'm happy and I'm doing the right things to try and put a smile on my face every day. And that means more to me than going out and grinding on a football field, close quote. Uh, okay, I'm all right with that. I mean, given some of the stories I've heard about Johnny Manziel and his uh, lifestyle uh, in his NFL years and college years, for him to say he's at a, he's in a good place and he's in a happy place, I would say congratulations to you, sir. Uh, well done. I know dealing with some of that stuff can be difficult and, and, and hard to overcome. Uh, but the fact that you're saying you're happy and you're in a really good place if you don't want to come back, you know, as much as I, I, I know some people and you know one as well who is a huge Johnny Manziel fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they would love to see him come back, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to see him come back, but if he's in a happy place, why change that? So congratulations to him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's gone through a lot in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot very, of ups and downs. Very polarizing. Yeah. So you're definitely going to get some very different opinions, depending on who you talk to about Johnny. But if he's at a good place, let him stay retired yeah. and let him move on with his life. And yeah, might be, able to fi- might be able to find a job at maybe a collegiate level or in the NFL or something, you know, as a, as a quarterback's coach or something. You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows? So for me, though, Uh for round of the basis, a couple quick ones, though. Sure. Damian Lillard was announced for the cover of the NBA 2K21 release. Ooh, prob- well, one of them. Well, covers. one of them, yeah. yeah. I, I forget they do three covers. I think it's yeah. like the Madden deal where I know Lamar Jackson is going to be on the cover this year. Yes. So that's kind of a big deal, though, for Damian Lillard. So congratulations to him from, you know, obviously doing yeah. big things out in Portland. Yeah. Uh, so I know they, they haven't announced who else is going to be part of the covers. I got a good hunch who it's going to be. Who? Kobe. Yeah, that would say. Because the last couple of the, – the thing NBA 2K series does is they'll put out the standard game with, you know, a, a star. And then the last couple of years they've been doing like a Legends edition. You know, I, I know one year – I think last year was Dwayne Wade mm. was on the cover because it was his last year. Right. Um, I know that – I think they did Shaq one year. Uh, given Kobe had passed uh, just this past year, just this year, I'm going to say it's probably going to be Kobe. That would make sense, and rightfully so. Yeah. I, I I would have no issue with that. No. Um, obviously, well-deserved as Kobe oh, said. Yeah. So, but for Damian Lillard, though, it's a, it's yeah. a, big, it's a big honor, so congratulations. So huge out congratulations. To and speaking of Kobe, uh-huh. it has been announced that there is going to be the Mamba Out documentary Ooh. debuting July 5th. Uh-huh. On Instagram and Twitter, uh, okay. Um, to quote the article from Fox Sports, uh, Clutch Points is commemorating Brian's final title with an eight-part documentary on the 2010 championships. This documentary will feature interview from Kobe's teammates like Paul Gasol, uh, Derek Fisher, uh, Metal World Peace, and others from the championship-winning teams. Huh. And like I said, it's going to be on YouTube and Instagram. Episodes one and two are scheduled to be released on July 5th, three and four, July 12th, okay. five, six on July 19th, and they're going to close it out on July 26th with episodes seven and eight. So Interesting. Definitely, yeah, it's going to be something to watch. Uh, I'm excited to check it out. I they mean, got a lot to live up to. Yeah, absolutely. The Last Dance has definitely set the bar for any documentaries yeah. for how well it was done. So this one, though, I'm definitely excited to see. I mean, Kobe's legacy yeah. it will live on forever. So just to see you know, him get this treatment like Michael did for The Last Dance, it, mm-hmm. it's, going to be, it's going to be something to watch. So yeah. I'm definitely excited to go track that down on YouTube and Instagram when it drops on July 5th. 
That being said, the music you heard on this week's ODPH Sports Edition is at a Fair City Fire. There are friends from Austin, Texas. They're doing big things. Brian Wolf is posting quite a lot on Instagram. Yeah. Doing a new cover song each week, which we've been sharing on our hashtag Fair City Fridays on the ODPH Instagram account. So definitely you want to go check out what they're doing and other great bands such as Shout Out the Robots, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands. The list goes on and on and on. But where do you find about all these great bands? Simple. OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. Also on the ODPH webpage, you can also check out the ODPH directory. We already talked about it. You can find Johnny Moose and everything going on with Excite Wrestling. You can also check out Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, still doing the Final Fantasy VII remake. Though. Nice. And he's got some other plans coming down the, the wire, too, so you can definitely hop on over there and check that out. Also check out our Friends of the Show page, which is all the amazing pod groups that we were in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast, shout out to Alternate Reality Radio, shout out to the Apocalypse community, and of course, shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast, and everything going on with 8122 Productions, shout out to Rich Ron and Hashtag Big Nanny Cool, still on Twitter, Pad. Oh boy. Still on Twitter, still bringing the heat that's not behind the paywall, but if you want to see what they got cooking behind the paywall, sign up for their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And also on the ODPH directory, you can find organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and voter registration. So all of that, plus anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found on ochoduroparleyhour.com, so check it out. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Uh, just real quick with baseball summer camp, uh, as somebody coined it, and I really like that term, uh, starting up here relatively soon within the next day or so. Do you realize uh, this is the best potential opportunity we have to see one Timothy Richard Tebow at the major league level? We're ending the show on that note. Uh-huh. Wow. I am waiting to get the DM from the one and only sound guy galore Jr. Are we going to upgrade your Rumble Ponies jersey to a New York Mets jersey? I mean, we might have to if he makes the big league club. That'll be the only time I would wear a Mets jersey. Because yeah. I'm, you know, the only pinstripes I wear are from the Bronx, folks. Uh-huh. That is how I am because my name is kind of And I want to say thank you for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Dural Parlay Hour. Let's go, Yankees. We'll see you next time. Yeah.